Hi, this is Hugh Greenwood from the North Melbourne Footy Club, and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. Here is your host, Dean Basich. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on X at hashtag Kangas, Instagram hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, TikTok hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight I'm doing another get to know you episode and I'll have the wonderful, lovely Marnie Cohen to come on the show and do that. I was going to get a couple of the AFLW girls on tonight, but um, a few things came up with them and we decided to reschedule that for next week. So look out for that then. So I thought I'd do a get to know you episode. I did that this with Jeff. Jesse um, a couple of weeks ago now and I really enjoyed uh, getting to know him so yeah it's good to talk about these things and you know uh, get to know Marnie on how she became a North supporter some of her favourite players I'm pretty sure most of you uh, lovely listeners know who some of them are so yeah strap in we also talked about um, yeah, upcoming draft. Uh, we didn't so much talk about the talent because uh, I don't really know too much about uh, the talent other than uh, watching a few YouTube clips. So, yeah, I thought, um, yeah, we'll talk about uh, possible scenarios that might happen. And we also talk about uh, a little bit about the AFLW team at the start. So strap yourselves in, enjoy the ride, and get to know Marnie Cohen. So let's bring her on. Tonight, after a long exodus, we welcome back to the show Marnie Cohen. Uh, you are back now, and today's a Get to Know You episode. But before we start, we'll go through a couple of things. And I want to start with the AFLW and the win last weekend. Flag ruse for those girls, Marnie? Uh, I think there are really, really, really genuine chance to, to take this thing out now, Dean, which is quite crazy. I never thought that you know, I didn't think that at this age I'd be seeing um, a North Premiership after, you know, what the men's team, I suppose, has been through. And I think with the women's team, we kind of have been peppering away for the last few years. We've kind of been building and building and building. And it kind of feels like, um, and I don't want to jinx it, but it kind of feels like everything's sort of aligning that we can have a real crack. Um, it was definitely the best performance that I've seen from our girls probably ever. I would say the pressure was high, the skills were clean, um, and we just sort of looked unstoppable from from the get-go. And I know a lot of people, you know, being a North supporter, you kind of you get out to a bit of a lead and you get nervous, you know, are they going to hold it and are they going to, you know, are they going to be able to um, – to to make it through and um and and take the win but we did more than that we we demolished the days and it was yeah it was an incredible performance yeah i mean yeah certainly uh, no complaints uh from anyone uh yeah, it's a uh, t- total uh, polar opposites to the men's program isn't it um when you think about it yes and you can say that again yeah, yeah, and getting uh, I think uh, their biggest uh, hurdle has always been uh, those top four teams or those other three uh, top teams. And I think to break that um, hoodoo, I guess, and, and beat one of them, it might set them up now. Yeah, I think so. I think it really gives you um, – it's that self-belief thing as well. And I yeah. think that, um, you know, we you talk about self-belief, uh, you know, and, and, and every club you would think has that in them. But it, when you genuinely start to believe it, and there's a big difference between having the self-belief and actually 
genuinely having self-belief you know what I mean mm. um it can really it can really give you the momentum that you need and it, it kind of looks like we we are kind of priming at the right at the right time um and as you said to be able to get over that that top four, four um hurdle it, it definitely puts us now in the box seat and the AFL confirmed during the week that we if we made the grand final we would get the home ground advantage which I think surely should make us even hungrier to make it yeah, oh, well, be Icon Park. So, yeah, at least we don't have to travel, which is the most important thing. We won't have to go to Adelaide or, or Brisbane or anything like that. So at least we, um, yeah, we'll stay in Melbourne. And we seem to play Icon Park okay. So, yeah, we'll see see how we go. And uh, they get the week off this week, those girls, and uh, thoroughly deserved. Now, we'll go to the men's team. Uh, we have a draft coming up on Monday and Tuesday. And we are draft experts by any means, Marnie's. But no, definitely are, not. <laughs> more rumours are swirling around about the number one pick, including um, giving up pick two, 15, uh, 17, and a future first, which will probably be a top five pick next year. That seems like a, a really steep price to go up one spot. What do you think? If, if it, What do you think about that? Yeah, I, th- I still think it's too much. Um, yeah. And I guess the reason why... I would say that is I think I think we definitely go to the and Brady Rollins has said this, we go to the we go to the draft with at least two top three picks. So we won't give up two and three, which is good. I, it just seems like a high price to pay, especially because this year it seems like the first I mean, obviously Harley Reid is such a you know, a really highly spoken about player and that's kind of been the narrative all year is it'll go pick number one and I think that's still the belief on draft night but I think there's a lot of really 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 good talent kind of in that top 12 to 15 by the sounds of things so if if we could if we you know could get more you know if we could keep our, our draft hand as it is and have three picks kind of inside that top that top 15, I think we would really be doing ourselves um, a big favour by by having access to more talent because it really seems like there is a little bit of depth um, in terms of that top, top end talent this year, which we might have not seen the previous few years where we have kind of had those high draft picks. So I, I really think that, the, that we should try and hang on to those picks. I think the other thing is not only is there spoken about depth, but it seems like that we could cater to a few of our needs there's a few key position players in there there's a um, there's a couple of like smaller forwards which are you know which are things that they're they're not necessarily you know you obviously take a couple of the best available but then we could also potentially fill a couple of needs that we so desperately um need to fill so i I trust the club and what they're going to do and ultimately what they'll what they'll bring in on the night but i'd really like to see us keep the hand that we've got unless we really feel like um, we can get ourselves a good deal to get into that number one position. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they're too keen to give it up unless we pay overs for number one for the number one pick. But yeah, in saying that, let's say we keep the picks like you, you've suggested: two, three, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen. How do you think we approach it? Best available at those spots because the talk is we are taking McCurcher and Dersma with two and three, a midfielder and a half forward, which is all we have on the list, really. I mean, there's a Dan Curtin, who was a key back, and Nick Watson, who was a classy, small, uh, smart, small forward, like you talked about. I mean, should we be going down that path instead of uh, best, best available, even though it's early at uh, pick two and three? 
I can see both sides um, of the argument. I think mm-hmm. North is still in a position where we still need elite talent. Um, we do have a lot of very, very good players, particularly in the midfield, but there's very few that are currently elite talent. And I, I think it I think it would be hard to disagree with that, to be honest. Um, you know, we've got players that have, obviously, LDU in there is probably the one that you would probably say is, is an elite talent. Um, but and there's obviously potential in players like um, Wardlaw and players like, say, a Simpkin to kind of, re, you know, reach a higher ceiling. Um, but these guys, we're just going off potential at the moment. We're not going off what they've delivered. And then the other one is obviously the big elephant in the room is will Tara and Thomas be there at the end of next year, which I think is probably going to be a hotly debated topic all of next year. Um, so... I don't think that it hurts to still have access to elite talent and invest in them and, you know, turn them into long-term players for the club. So I can see that argument, but, you know, on the flip side, we have so many holes in our side. Um, you know, we barely have a back line going into next year um, and we larky desperately need some help. So um, I think that, you know, we there is elite talent in the positions that we need so but it may not be the best available with the picks that we have at hand so I think it's an interesting debate um either way I think that it will work out for us in the end but um I can kind of I can see why we would go either way if that makes sense yeah, it does. Um, like uh, uh, people often talk that uh, you take the you know um best uh, available at like let's say two and three and then once you, once you get to 15 7 and 8 and that's when you go needs based would you agree with something like that i think so i think that's yeah. probably the way that i i see it going i think as well um for a couple of the positions that we probably need a bit of that we kind of need those position filled so say a key defender or a ruckman just take the, those two positions as a as an example i think that we could still be creative in where we access that talent. Um, I mean, we obviously drafted Toby Pink from the Sandfall. He's a mature aged, a mature age recruit, and I still think he could do a fantastic job. You know, he's sort of a ready-made player. Um, you know, we could do the same with the Ruck, or we could again explore other clubs at the at the end of next year. There's also the mid-season draft, so I think there's ways that we can access that kind of talent, but. You know, I mean, midfielders, um, you've got your midfielders and you've got your elite midfielders. And, you know, we have tried to lure those kinds of players in over the past years and we haven't had much luck, unfortunately. So um, I think that, you know, maybe we could get creative and, and find other ways to recruit on a needs basis like we did this year and like we might have to do again next year. Um, so I, I think that, you know, there is it's quite a rich sort of top end um going into this year's draft. So I think that maybe we could look to take the best available at the very top and then draft on needs basis as we kind of move out to 15, 17, 18. Yeah, I mean, 15, 17, 18, you'd probably, you'd probably look... I mean, there is a Ruckman available there. You'd have to think it would take one Ruckman there. Um, a, a small forward, there is a couple 
um, talked about there. I think there's a Collard or something like that. And number 15, um, there is uh, talk of uh, a key position defender who's a bit light in frame. So it might be a case of doing that, I would think, at 15, 17, 18, if we do hold um, those picks. I mean, there's also talk on the Cal Toomey Gettable podcast. They were interviewing the Sydney recruiting guy. Uh, name escapes me. Um, go, about going to pick 12 um, from the... Uh, to going up to pick 12, and we give them 17 and 18. I don't know about you, but I don't like that idea of going up because uh, it very rarely works, like five spots and giving up an extra pick. I'd rather just keep 17 and 18, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's a, I think that's a kind of move that we should make on the night and see what talent we've got on our hit list mm. and what's still available. I actually quite like the ability to trade, like the live trading for yeah. picks um for for that kind of for that pick two and three i personally would want to go into the draft knowing what picks do we have do we have two three do we have one like what do we have there but for later on in the draft um i don't have an issue you know if there's a player that we desperately want and we really think that you know and they're still available by pick 12 i actually don't have an issue um trading trading with sydney on the night i think it really just depends on that scenario i think it would really depend on who's still available yeah, I mean, if we get if we did that, I'd like something like maybe pick thirty five back as well. You know, sort of something around that thirties. You might be able to get something there as well because I don't think there's too much difference from fifteen to thirty five. I think it takes a there's a bit of luck and it's how you develop players as well. Um, now, if West Coast take Harley Reid, how long do you think he lasts up there before um, he, he decides to come back to Melbourne? Um, West Coast have a very, very, very good track record of retaining players, even if they come over from Melbourne. Um, I and you know, I mean, he said all he said all the right things in the interviews in the past few months leading up to the draft. That if West Coast take him, he'll stay and he'll invest. Um, I yeah, I, I I honestly don't see him leaving West Coast if he oh, if he does get drafted there um it is really rare that you i mean Fremantle is a completely different scenario but west coast don't they have a really good track record of being able to retain players obviously they're going through a bit of a rough patch um on field at the moment but for the most part it's a pretty culture strong club um the facilities they've got i've been to their facility um in lath lane and it's absolutely incredible uh, what they've built there and um you know if he can really commit to West Coast for sort of that three to five year period while they turn the ship around. I can't see him coming home, to be honest. And I've lived in Perth as well, and the lifestyle's pretty great. So, yeah, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he does go there that he stays there. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a, I mean, I guess the the hope is that he does a bit of a Chris Judd, even if he does leave, it's after eight years or something like that, and he's won a flag or two there. So, you know, but, um, you know, they've certainly had players come from Melbourne. That have made a good lifestyle up there. That's a very good point. Like Luke Shuey, um, certainly, um, yeah, came from the country Victoria and uh, made a good lifestyle up there. Jack Darling as well. So yeah, no, it's, it, they do have a good track record, and that's uh, that's a fair point. Um, but I'm still worried about draft money because it seems to be getting more compromised every year. You've got father son academy selections with Gold Coast this year being in a very favourable position for that. Now you can't select interstate players because they want to go home. How do you feel about it all? I think the go home factor is a really interesting thing. I think after COVID in particular, it's probably ramped up um, a lot. I don't, 
I don't know. I, I, part of me really likes the honesty from players stepping forward and saying, I want to stay in Melbourne or I want to stay in my hometown per se. Um, but it, you're right. It, it does put clubs in a really, um, in a really compromised position and it, it can make it really, really difficult on the night. And a, kind of being a smaller club in North Melbourne, you've got that added, you've kind of got that added layer of, you know, um, how do I put it? You know, it's not a Collingwood. It's not, yeah, you're not playing it, in front of 80,000. There's no, you're not playing in front of 80,000 people every week. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think with North, you've kind of got to take that into consideration more than you would if you were a Collingwood, just to use them as an example, um, or a Carlton per se. So yeah, mm. it's, um, it's it's pretty it's pretty tricky now and that's kind of why I am happy that we went to the AFL and kind of said we'll give us assistance because why not I mean we've been lucked out every single year there's been some sort of something in the way of us actually drafting the best player on the night be it a father son be it an academy or whatever um, and so the fact that we actually did turn around and I don't care what other, what what supporters of other clubs think we've got to do what's in our best interest and all you can really do is ask. So um, it is becoming really hard. So I'm glad that we, you know, we kind of stuck our hand out um, when we felt like the time was right. And hopefully, you know, that assistance package will kind of bolster us a little bit and help us move up the ladder a little bit quicker. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that like that big of an assistance package. I mean, they end of first rounders uh, at the end of the day and it's still, you know, I mean, you know, there's still no guarantees, you know, within the first round. It's like they gave us pick one in this year's draft and pick one next year's draft. I mean, you know, their picks are 18, 19. So, yeah. And, you know, like, like you said, uh, like we talked about, um, the drafts have been compromised. You know, we, we couldn't get Nick Dacos, father's son. And there's been, you know, other selections as well where, you know, uh, there's been uh, academy selections like Jar uh, Jamara Eugle Hagen um, that's, you know, uh, been bitted by uh, Western Bulldogs and, and so forth. So it's been hard. And I think the worst one um, was Ollie Henry, who a 50-minute drive down the highway was homesick. I mean, players have far too much control and the contracts are barely worth the paper they're written on, Marnie. Yeah, I think that was probably quite laughable. Um, and yeah. Collingwood ended up getting the last laugh there, to be honest. But I think, I mean, unfortunately, this is this is kind of the what we're dealing with at the moment. And um, I think the other thing is, and um, I think I don't, I'm not, I'm not really follow, I don't really follow um, the basketball too much. But you know, when you look at something like the basketball, you look at something like the soccer overseas. I mean, our contracts are quite small in comparison to some of the biggest sporting codes around the world. So I think players probably feel that they can have that say um, and probably feel like they're entitled to it because of that. Now, trust me, a footballer's salary is nothing to laugh at. Um, you know, they're still on a pretty decent wage. But, you know, when you do compare it to sort of the biggest codes, sporting codes around around the world, they probably feel like they're entitled to do so and ultimately if a club feels like they want to say no then they can say no I mean there was that whole thing with Joe Danaher a few years ago when he wanted to leave Essendon a year before his contract was up but they turned around and said no um mm. so I mean there's an I know he exercised the free agency and ended up you know going and Essendon got their compensation but 
you know, clubs also can say, no, I think it's a real, it really is a case by case basis. But I do agree that players probably do have a little bit too much control um, at the moment, but they would probably turn back and say, well, look at what we're getting paid. And I'm not, like I said, it's nothing to laugh about, but when you're making that comparison at other elite sporting codes around the world, you know, they probably, they probably feel like they're entitled to, you know, some sort of demand. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a fair point. I mean, basketball is in America. I mean, you know, even the average ones are getting you know sixty seven million dollars, and so forth on you know good good contracts. So it's uh, and they they get traded um, quite easily. So they always have to move and and so forth. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it's probably a little bit too much control with the pl- uh, players, but um, they just got to get that balance a bit better. Uh, well, Marnie, this is an episode about you, and I'm sure all your followers want to get to know you as well. So let's get to, go to the start. And how did you follow North? So my dad uh, is a mad North supporter. Um, He followed North growing up as a kid. Um, It's really funny. We always talk about the three clubs that he was choosing, um, choosing between when he was, you know, picking a club to support. My dad grew up in the 70s and it was either Fitzroy, uh, Brisbane, Fitzroy, Carlton or North and he ended up picking North. Um, and it stuck with me ever since. Um, he took me to my first game when I think I was seven years old. And, you know, to this day, um, the two of us and my brother also, um, the three of us go to every game in Melbourne. And it's been that way for the better part of two decades now. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good story, actually. Um, and how long have you been a member for? Um, I would say probably about oh, a little over 20 years, I would say. Mm. Um, I might need to fact check that, but yeah, something <laughs> like that, <laughs> something like that. About, I'd say about twenty years now. Well, you're how old? You're twenty seven now, are you? Twenty nine. Twenty. 29. Oh, twenty nine. Gee. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That's gone quick. Um. So it's been yeah twenty yeah twenty. So you would have been about nine eight nine years old since you were a member. So pretty much straight away. I remember talking to you when um I might have been off air when we first started chatting, and you sort of said. When you were living in Perth, it's the one thing that um, you really missed in uh, was just going uh, with your family to the football, um, and you, because you were in Perth for a quite a while, weren't you? About oh, maybe a year or two. Yeah, so I think that definitely was really hard um, because for me, obviously, I love the club and I, I've been and football is a massive passion of mine. But I think a big part of being a supporter, a, a football supporter, for me is the going to every game in Melbourne with my dad and my brother. That's something, like I said, we've done pretty much my whole, like my whole footballing life, if you want to call it. Um, Everyone knows I hate watching football on TV. I obviously watch it when we're not playing in Melbourne. Uh, But if we're playing in Melbourne, I'm there. Um, And so I, we missed the all of 2020. Obviously, we couldn't go to any of the games um, due to lockdown and, and all that sort of thing. And then I went to the first game um, of 2021. We played Port Adelaide. Um, and then I was in Perth from March 21 until May 22. So I barely went to any football in that period of time. And that was something I found really hard. I found myself being somewhat disconnected a little bit I mean you know I always love the club and I've always followed the club and football is the biggest passion in my life but 
I just found that being so far away and not really attending many games in person, I did kind of find myself, and obviously we were really, I mean, at least this year under Clarko and Raps, we've been a little bit more competitive and the games have been a little bit more alive, but you've got David Noble in charge and we just, we just were horrific for and played such a boring brand of football for those sort of 18 months. So it was probably the combination of all those things that I just found myself not losing interest, but yeah, a little bit disconnected. So, you know, to come back to Melbourne and to be able to go to games every week again, um, along with our kind of uh, our newfound energy and our newfound spark, um, it's definitely really brought me right back in. Yeah, and sometimes you don't know what you're missing until it's gone. And yeah, it's. It, I remember you sort of said, um, you know, the, the first game you came back with your with your family, you, you know, you're, you're back in your element and um, you're back in your favourite place. You know, in yeah, that uh, you know that uh, you wanted to be in, and um, yeah, you really you had more appreciation and more gratitude um, when you came back. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Um, yeah, I think you went you went to the West Coast game, didn't you? Where we won? Uh, was that in twenty twenty one? Yeah, so that was um, one of the few North games that I went to in that period. We played West Coast. It was a very drizzly Monday night, um, and Perth had just come out of a lockdown. Um, and so <laughs> we went along, um, there was only 35,000 people there. And for those who have been to West Coast games at Optus Stadium, probably prior to the last, oh, probably the last year, I would say those games are packed that there's 60,000 people there week in, week out. Um, so it was pretty quiet for a West Coast, um, home game, but it was an incredible game. We were sitting, um, in a north section as well which made it even better and um yeah it was it was an incredible game um and i think just the way you know i think uh we've i've seen us play a couple games over in perth and um for the most part i've seen us be pretty uncompetitive and you know i think um there's a lot of i think north in the past maybe have we gotten a position where we were kind of two or three goals down it was a pretty grueling game of footy as well and like i said the conditions were, were awful so um you know you kind of expect us to just throw you know throw up the white flag and and call it a day but you know for us to grind and fight back the way we did and end up walking away with the win against all odds too yeah. um was quite spectacular so yes i was very lucky that was the one north game i saw in that period and um, it was a pretty special one for sure yeah, it was probably one of our best wins over the last few years. Consider, oh, we, we've hardly won any games. I think we've won, what, uh, 12 out of 80 odds. So probably one of our yeah. better ones. I mean, we've got a decent following over there, haven't we, through players like Ross Glendinning and Barry Cable and so forth. Yeah, it's a, it's quite a large um, supporter base over in WA for North. Um, and it is a shame when, you know, we only played the one game over there a year because um, we do have quite a big, quite a big following um, over there. So we were... we. You know, we were able to make a bit of noise, which was really nice. Um, and it was quite a party um, at the end of that game as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was definitely a special one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and who have been? I know, I'm pretty sure most people will know that, uh, these uh, this answer. But who have been some of your favourite players? Um, so my, I was thinking about this earlier. The first kind of memory I have of a favourite player was Mick Martin. Um, oh when I kind of just started following footy, I, 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 I just thought he was amazing and he was such an incredible player for North. Um, so he was definitely my first favourite player. 
Um, and then from there, he left and Daniel Harris came to North. So Daniel Harris was another one of my early favorite, favorite players. Um, and I've seen, um, I've seen Harrow around, um, uh, at games and stuff, um, kind of as supporters and he still remembers me to this day. So that's very, that's very special. Um, and, and yeah, nice to know that, um, you know, he still remembers me. Um, and then Lindsay Thomas was probably the next that I can think of. I loved Lindsay and I don't know, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of reflect back and I'm like, what is with me? Like picking all these like fringe players and just like, I love, like give them, shower them with love. Um, but Lindsay, I think for me, Lindsay Thomas was definitely one of the most underrated players sort of of the last sort of 10 years, 15 years at North. I think that opposition probably just saw him as this, you know, oh, this guy is such a dog and, you know, always causing troubles. But I think because he was just so passionate and so fiercely competitive that that was sort of his way of being able to respond um, because he had a few seasons there where he, he kicked 50 goals in a year in 2013. And he probably should have been um, in the All-Australian side. He had an incredible year. Um, but kind of around that, you know, he kind of, he had the yips at one point and he just kind of started to get this reputation of being a bit of a, being a bit of a shit stir up, to be honest, for lack of better yeah. words. Um, and so I think what he was able to do week in, week out on the field was largely overshadowed by the mischief that he was causing um, during the game as well. So Lindsay was probably the next one on my list. And then he left and Jasper Pittard came to North and that, that kind of started, that kind of started um, a whole nother level of, um, of supporter, I think. And I, the story with Jasper, and I've said this, I think, on this podcast before, was that, you know, um, North tried to lure Jasper to come over a couple of years earlier. He was all Australian squad, I think it was 2015 or 2016. And around that time, North tried to bring him in and he he didn't come. Um, he stayed at Port Adelaide and then he came over with Jared Polek as part of that as part yeah. of that deal um and he was a, pretty much a, he was a largely a whipping boy at port um and i just sort of thought surely this guy can't be that bad you know we've obviously tried to bring him in once before um let's just let's just see how he goes and i think i started to pay extra attention um to him and he had a pretty good year in 2019 he was very serviceable he finished 10th in the best and fairest um and so this thing kind of just grew a life of its own and um, I've met Jasper a few times and, you know, he was always had so much time for me um, and he was just, yeah, I, I absolutely adored him. And, you know, it was a short, unfortunately a short lived. It was about halfway through 2020 where he was pulled from the side and he didn't come back and then he was delisted at the end of 2020. So that was quite mm-hmm. devastating for me, but it was fun while it lasted and I still wear his badge on my scarf. So um, I think in terms of past players, like they're probably the ones that stick out in my mind as like the obscure favourites. But I think like everybody, Drew Petrie was a big favourite of mine. Boomer was a favourite of mine. Um, Todd Goldstein was also a big favourite of mine. Robbie Nahas was another favourite. So there's a few in there that, um, you know, I think all North fans, you know, could probably say, oh, yeah, that was some of my favourite players. But those are the ones that kind of stick out as the the more obscure um, of the mix, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's some good names here, some very underrated players too. I really like Daniel Harris as well. I thought he was one of the more underrated uh, midfielders we had. Very um, very good with his hands, in- good inside player. 
Um, yeah, he was very good. They called him Wizard because uh, you'd always find space where there was none. Uh, yeah, Lindsay Thomas, always a team first player as well. I really liked um, – it didn't matter who kicked the goal. He'd always be the first – to celebrate with that player. And that's he was what always really the it. first to celebrate yeah. and he was always yeah. the first to stick up for a teammate if an opposition player was, yeah, right. you know, causing yeah. a bit of grief. He was just the ultimate competitor and the ultimate team player, as you said, Dean. So I think, yeah, that I, I loved him for that. I absolutely loved him for that. And I think that gets lost a little bit. I know there was that uh, period, he was doing a bit of a Joel Selwood, but he was playing to the rules where yeah. um, he was stuck in his head and players were catching him high. That was the rules. And, only you know, the highly skilled players, um, yeah, played to the rules. I mean, there's an NBA basketballer, James Harden, who plays uh, basketball rules, always gets foul shots. He was getting like 15 or 20 foul shots a game or something like that. And people would complain about it, but you're playing to the rules. So too bad, um, you know, defend better uh, at the end of the day. And Jasper Pittard, yeah, he, he had a very good 2019 Um and 2020, he was going okay. And then all of a sudden, they decided to put him as a defensive forward. Uh, Ray Shaw did. And then, and completely lost his way. He's never played that role before. And then got dropped, like he said. And that was it, pretty much. So he was, um, yeah, he was a bit stiff. I, I think he had, you know, he, he would have got another year if um, they just kept him as that, uh, you know, halfback flanker that um, he was playing pretty well in 2019. Um, we might know the answer to this next one, but current day favourite player or players? Oh, my favourite player is Hugh Greenwood. I think, again, everyone knows that. Um, For a similar reason, I think, to Jasper. Not that, I mean, I think the the whole story around Hugh Greenwood was just hilarious. I mean, the Gold Coast had delisted him and were committed to re-rooking him. And in that period of time, you know, it was like 24 hours later, David Noble called called him because they obviously knew each other from their time in Adelaide together and he kind of called Hugh and said oh can you come down to can you come down to north and he said sure um and so I don't actually really know where that that whole thing started um to be honest I have to be honest I don't know like where I kind of cottoned on to this um idea of Hugh Greenwood but um, I think in the same boat as Jasper, probably I, I there was no, you know, I had a reason as to why I was following Jasper, as I sort of just explained. But, um, you know, Jasper was always so nice to me um, and just we always, you know, always had so much time for me um, when I would see him, um, you know, throughout the year. And Hugh is very much the same. Um, he is just an unbelievable person. He is just probably one of the nicest people I've ever met hand on heart can say about him. And he also has so much time of day for me and we always have a great chat. And I think he, what I love about him on field as well is he is so dynamic and he can just offer so many different, so many different options. He obviously played Ruck in round one. He spent some time in the midfield. He went up forward a little bit. Um, And I really think that, you know, it's obviously working toward he's kind of heading into the later part of his career but because he came into the system late um his body probably isn't as you know old as some other 31 year olds um running around running around at the moment i i think that you know i'd love to see him get out on the park um as much as possible next season whether that is going to happen or not i'm not sure but i really think that that we should hopefully be able to find a spot for him i think the other thing with hugh is his leadership on field and we've spoken about this at length throughout the year on the podcast but he's always talking he's always providing advice um you know you can always see him coaching other players um on the field and and on the bench and i just think you 
you know, we are at a point with the club going into next season where we have very few senior, senior players. I mean, he and Liam Shields are just about the most experienced players on the list at this point now. So um, if we can utilise him in that way, I, I think would be silly not to. Um, and obviously there's a bit of bias in that statement as well. Um, but he's definitely, he's definitely my favourite. Um, I've also done a complete 180 on Aiden Core, which a lot of people do know about. And for those who listen to um, Further North as well, we'll know that Josh and I um, have very different views on Aiden Core. Um, I've been on, Dean, I've been on your podcast earlier in the year and I said I can't stand Aiden Core. He's lazy and, you know, we always say that, we want to give players the benefit of the doubt um, and we want them to prove us wrong because ultimately we want to move forward as a club. Um, and I think that cause last eight weeks of the season this year were really, really strong. He was a leader. Um, he, you know, he was selfless in his approach as well. Um, and I just loved that from him. Um, and so he's definitely someone who, you know, he's coming, he's coming up into that favouritism, in that favouritism sort of bar as well. Um, so Hugh's definitely the standout. I, I'm a bit of an Aiden Core fan now. And then obviously Harry Sheasel and George Wardler, I think it's hard to kind of go past those two guys as well. Um, universally loved players, Nick Larkey. There's a, it's the same, you know, when you talk about your niche favourites and then the universally loved players. Um, so there are probably a few of mine in there. No, a pretty good list. Yeah, no, he's, he's certainly turned around uh, probably the last six to eight weeks. When Griffin Lowe did his ACL, Aiden Core, he really stepped up. And I, he stepped up just not uh, through his um, actions of playing good footy, but even as, like you said, even as far as the leader, he started, he looked like he started communicating a lot more out on the field and, yeah, really trying to direct um, the back six and hopefully, or back seven or however you want to call it. So hopefully he can continue that uh, into next year. Um Best player you've ever seen at for North? I mean, you would have been probably a bit too young for Wayne Carey. Yeah, I didn't see Wayne Carey play. Um, I would say probably the best player I've ever seen. It's hard because I missed the I missed the Stevens and the Archer and the mm. Grants in like their prime. Um, Two thousand and five, Shannon Grant had the most incredible season. I think it was 2005 and he just looked absolutely unstoppable. And that was some of the best football I've ever seen, um, ever seen from an individual. Um, I really loved Daniel Wells as well. I mean, I think if you're going off just pure skill alone, he was just the most skillful, silkiest player I've probably ever seen. Um, I think Boomer is probably the one that I think a lot of people kind of my age, I think, would say because I watched him most of my football life. I watched Boomer and he never slowed down. He was always just phenomenal um, and he was just such an incredible talent and that was, you know, incredible talent, also incredible work rate. Um and just a really special, I think, I think, well, I think Boomer holds a really special place in the heart of all North Melbourne supporters. Um, so I think those are probably the ones that stick out to me immediately. Um, I also think, and you want, this is, again, this is probably like a, a bit of an underrated one, but I think Andrew Swallow was probably incredibly underrated player and leader at North. Um, just a phenomenal clearance player and really just, 
I, th I think he just added so much to the side, added so much value, and I just don't think a lot of people gave him the credit that he kind of deserved. Um, so he was an excellent, excellent player um, as well for North. And Sean Higgins is probably the last one. Um, I think that, again, played his best footy at North, the way we were able to turn his body around. Um, he was outstanding for us as well. He made that All-Australian side. Um, and his time in North and at, at North, he won back to back Sid Barker medals. I think that um, what he did for the club was probably a little bit underrated by some as well, maybe because it was for a shorter period of time. But yeah, I think those are probably the names that stand out in my mind. Um, and I guess, you know, I have seen the likes of Archer and Stevens and King play for a couple of seasons, but I, and Grant as well, but I miss them in their sort of in their prime. So maybe that's why those names aren't as prominent in my mind as some of the others. Yeah. No, I mean, what, what players here? I mean, yeah, you're not missing a beat on, uh, on any of them. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, Shannon Grant had a, yeah, a lot of quality about him. Um, yeah, very good left foot kick. One, yeah, I think he won um, North Smith medal in 1999, uh, kick of five goals on the wing while getting tagged. So, yeah, very um, highly skilled individual player. Uh, worked out a pretty good trade for us when we did get him uh, for Wayne Tross uh, back in 1997 or 1998, something like that. So, yeah, no, nah, but, uh, yeah, a lot of good players there. Uh, Boomer Harvey, you can't go past. Probably, um, you probably... You've probably forgotten about him already because he's wearing the red and black, but probably Todd Goldstein as well would have been up there as well. Yes, absolutely. He definitely <laughs> would have been. Also, Drew Petrie, I think. Yeah. Um, Drew Petrie for me was was sort of our match winner. I think he and Boomer had that, have that, had that skill of being match winners unlike anyone else in our side. Um, the amount of games that Drew won, you know, off his own boot were just – you know, you could probably need, hand, you know, fingers and toes to be able to count it. Um, so I think, yeah, he's probably another one. Scott Thompson is also another one. I could yeah. go on for – you could go on forever, to be yeah. honest, um, when you start like, sort of really thinking about it. But, yeah, probably top of mind, those are probably the ones for me. No, fair enough. Uh, any players that you didn't like or rate? Well, I think everyone knows who that is on our current playing list without me <laughs> needing to say much more than um, Tristan Cherry. Uh, definitely not a massive fan um, there. There's, I, I've never really had this like intense dislike for too many players probably mm. up until this point and, you know, what I've, what I've just said. Always happy for players to, you know, prove me wrong. Um, but, you know, I think when you think about sort of in recent times, think about a Sean Atley, you think about a Kane Turner, you think about um, Jamie McMillan even, I think these guys were real whipping boys. Um, but I can't really think of anyone that I, before um, Sherry that I've sort of really, really disliked. Yeah. I would yeah. really have to actually sit and like properly think about it because I've had a few, I've had a while to think about it and nothing really stood out to me except for the one. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I could probably find one, but I might be clutching at straws. I mean, you don't dislike Tristan Cherry. It's more you, you don't rate him as a footballer. Yet. But he no, might do oh, they... I don't dislike, I don't dislike any of them. All the, all the guys at North. And I think that's something, you know, we've got an incredible group of, people at our club um, yeah. and that pull on the jumper week in, week out. It's nothing personal, but, 
you know, we're a club trying to rebuild and I think, you know, we need better talent than that. That's that's all it is, really. Well, he might uh, do an Aiden core and turn turn it around and hopefully he does. I would love nothing. I would love yeah. nothing more, Dean. I'm, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm right, to be honest with you, but I, I don't hold uh, too much confidence in that in that regard, especially uh, probably in the last month of football. I think he took two marks or something like that for a big guy. So we need a bit more out of him. And he's, he started off the preseason, all right? He came tenth in the in the run uh, they did the other day. So you never know, Marnie. You never know. I still you never know. I still hold out hope. Um, favorite game of all time? Uh, the 2014 elimination final. Again, I wasn't at either of the ground for the '96 or '99 premiership, so I think I can't. I can't say those. Um, so the 2014 elimination final, sort of a no-brainer. Um, closely followed by the 2015 elimination final and the 2014 semi. I think that's sort of a trifecta again for people my age um, who have grown up supporting North Deck. That's kind of our those are kind of our grand finals um, over the past sort of 10 to 15 years. Um, but moving past those being the played the Bulldogs at Marvel in 2018, it was a Saturday night and Jack Zabel kicked a winning goal with like 30 seconds to go. It was a bit of a seesawing affair all night. And that was, I think because of the past few seasons before that, we had lost so many close ones over the years and you know what, it's really not good for your um for your mental or physical well-being at that point. So to be able to to snag a few of those um of those close ones, they kind of went our way, went crazy after that. That was definitely one of my favorite home and away games. Um a couple others we played Fremantle in 2015 uh at Marvel. It was late in the season. Fremantle were on top of the ladder and I think North won probably their last the 10 of their last 12 or something to play finals that year. Um, and we were down by three or four goals going into the going into the first change and then the second halftime, I think we were down by a couple and then we were down by I think seven points at the, at the, at the final change. Um, and that was a, that was a Boomer Harvey special, that one. Um, he really led the charge for North and Goldie kicked the winning goal in the end or the, the goal that sealed the victory, I should say. But um, the roar was deafening. And I mean, if you know a roar is deafening at Marvel Stadium, you know, you know, you know, seriously must be deafening um so that was that was a great one and then more recently the win that we had against Richmond last year at Marvel um that kind of felt like a bit of a breakthrough win too um that was really euphoric um and I think from a personal perspective it's the first time I had seen North win with my dad like me and my dad and my brother going together to the footy watching North win since pre-COVID um so that was extra special um we've had a few really good home and away games in there over the years but um I don't think anything really is going to compare to those three finals um to be honest no it never does really I mean yeah I mean there's some good ones here that I mean obviously yes and one stands yeah but we beat uh we beat Richmond in, in a final where um you know Jared White and uh, Nick Delciano really played a part, and we beat Geelong, I think, the following week after that too. So, yeah, we certainly had some uh, decent uh, finals wins over that time. So, yeah, I mean, they're the ones that usually uh, tend to stand out for most people, especially when, you, yeah, it's been a long time since we won a final or, you know, even been close to finals. So, yeah, it makes it uh, – the memories even more sweeter. Very um, fond memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what are you hoping to see in 2024 now? It's an interesting one because, unfortunately, I think what I'm hoping to see for next season is what I was hoping to see this season. Um, 
and it kind of feels like we're starting from the start again. I feel like we've lost 12 months with obviously Clarko had that interrupted year. Um, and I think I was really, and we did improve. I'm not saying that we didn't improve. The quality of football improved. We obviously, you know, we came close quite a few times. We just couldn't finish it off. Um, I read a stat somewhere that in 2022, I think we won 10 games by more than 50 points. Um, and last, this season, we only lost five games by more than 50 points. I think I read that somewhere. Um, so obviously there's, there's signs of improvements, um, but unfortunately the reality is we've lost a year um, and we probably set ourselves back 12 months for reasons outside of our control. Um, and so I think, I think in terms of a ladder position, we'll probably still finish in the bottom four. I don't, I don't want to be unrealistic about it, but I'm definitely optimistic. I think we, you know, I think the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. Um, the game, you know, the game plan, um, you know, you can kind of see what we're trying to do. I think we'll score a lot more this year. Um, but I also think we'll be scored against a lot, especially in the first half of the year. We don't have a back line. Like, and that, and that again, I mean, that's a big worry. Um, you know, Griff, you know, as, as good of a eight weeks as Aiden Core had, um, he alone can't, can't steer the ship. I mean, Griff's probably out for the first half of next year still. Ben Mackay's at Essendon. So, you know, um, that is the reality of it. Um, so more effort. I'd love to see a couple more wins. I'd love a couple more wins in Melbourne. Um, they just don't, for me personally, they just don't hit the same um, as as they do when we win them interstate. Um, apologies to everyone living outside of Melbourne if you yeah. didn't see those wins this year. Um, but, yeah, I think the reality is, is this is now our ground zero and it's time to start building. Um, and so, yeah, I think you want to see visible signs of improvement um, on the back of this season and hopefully a few more wins. But I think it'll still be a few more years until we really start making our way up the ladder and start to genuinely be a finals threat. Yeah, I mean, like you look at that Gold Coast game as probably a sample of, I think, of how we want to play in 2024. And you look at the recruiting, you know, we've gone Dylan Stevens, Zach Fisher, quick outside players. Do you think that's a a template of how we want to play. And you sort of mentioned that, yeah, we want to score big, but we're going to probably concede big because we don't have the key defenders. So we're going to just try and attack. Yeah, I think we, I think a lot of, I think a a lot of clubs, um, they are able to generate the ball really quickly up the ground when Mm. they play North. And I think that we should really be trying to replicate that, to be honest. And I know that we are, you know, we're, we're sitting, we sat 17th on the ladder for the most of the year and that's where we finished up. So, um, but we, I have, we have over the years seen passages of play and games that we have been able to, you know, move the ball quickly up the ground. It's going to be a fitness thing as well. Um, I think the, as this list starts to kind of grow and build their tanks, then those things will probably become more achievable. Um, and we're kind of setting ourselves up now what we could potentially be in five years time, I think. So I'm interested to see how it works. Um, and like I said, and like you've just said, Dean, we are going to be scored against a lot this year, but we may as well be just as, you know, just as attacking and kind of get on the front foot in that part as well. Um, you know, play to the strengths that we have at the moment. And then, you know, we'll try and build the other pieces of the puzzle as the next few years go on. Um, but I want to see, we, you know, I want to see us be, I want to see excitement, I think as well, you know, you don't want to rock up to a game and 
you know, you're just sitting there and it's boring and we're getting thumped week in, week out. Um, and so I really hope that this is what we can do. We can inject a bit of pace, a bit of excitement um, and sort of at least challenge clubs a little bit, you know what I mean, yeah. um, and kind of take it up to them um, and not just think, oh, well, this is going to be an easy four points against North. Yeah, we don't want to just go for honourable five, six goal losses uh, for a period of time yeah. like we did this year, scoring 40, 50 points or something like that. So, yeah, we want to, you know, if we're going to lose by uh, uh, you know, five or six goals, you want it to be you know, 130 to 100 or something like that. So, you know, you're trying to be proactive rather than the other way around. Uh, in 100%. saying that, uh, when do you think uh, we can compete for another flag? Um, it's... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to say, I want to say in five years, but unfortunately, and this is, you know, going back to this year, next season being ground zero, it's really hard to get a genuine understanding of what we're going to be and where we get, how far we're going to be able to push it because this year just what was meant to kind of be the start of the next chapter was really just a wasted year. And I hate calling it that. And I kind of feel a bit awkward calling it that, but that's, that to me, that's what it was. Um, And so I am really looking forward to, to seeing what we can produce this year and to start seeing signs of potential and improvement. I think if you ask me that question in 12 months time, I'll be able to give you a better answer but my gut probably tells me that it's not as far away as we think, but it's probably not for at least another five to seven years, which is a bit depressing. But <laughs> I think but but I think finals is a different story. I think challenging for the yeah. eight, I think we really should be aiming to do that in the next two to three seasons. Maybe that's a little bit optimistic. But again, until we know what we're able to produce, we genuinely produce week in, week out. You even look from the time when Clarko came back in those last four games, I mean, we were significantly more competitive again against quality opposition. So, um, yeah, I think I think I'll be able to give you a better answer in twelve months' time. All right, I'll ask you again in twelve months' time, then, Marnie. Who Done. knows? We might be in finals next year. Who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, I think we all would. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how we go. I guess. Um, well, Marnie, that's all I have for you. Uh, any final messages for all your loyal disciples out there? Just come to the footy. There's yeah. nothing better. That is, and I say I've said that on every podcast over the last however many years I've been yeah. hijacking people's podcasts. <laughs> come to the footy. There is honestly no better experience than coming to the footy. If you don't know anyone and you're worried about coming alone, send me a message. I'll come find you. I'll come and sit with you. Like more than happy to do that there. I think they're the best way for this club to grow on field and off field is by supporters all coming together. And Dean and I were talking about this um, off air just before we jumped on. There are so many friends that I personally, and Dean, I know you're the same that have made through the footy and, you know, connected with so many North supporters and, you know, for me, I know that it's definitely my favourite part of the week during the footy season. I would hate for someone to be missing out on that experience, whether it be talking about North or going to the games because they don't have anyone to go with or they don't want to go alone. So reach out, reach out to Dean and I. Dean, I'm throwing you in this as well. because No, know it's fine. Yeah, no, no problems North. at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, come to the games and, you know, really get involved because I think it is, you know, while 
we've just, you know, there's a lot of hesitation around where, you know, around where the club's going and not where the club's going, but how long it's going to take us to get there. I think it's going to be exciting and, you know, it's, it's all the better if we're all in it together. So get on board and get excited is, you know, is definitely um, my one piece of advice if I can leave anything for people listening. No, that's that's a great way to finish. And if you are free next weekend, go watch the girls uh, play. They're in a prelim, so yeah, get behind them if you can. Um, yeah, we might as well start there and then work your way up to the men's uh, in six months' time or whenever the season starts. Uh, that's not even that far. It's about four months' time, isn't it? So we're in November. So. A hundred and a hundred and twelve days. The oh, there you go. Drew. I'm who's not counting, getting... right? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, there'll be some exciting young talent. Who knows? We might have Ali Reid next year, but uh, we've still got Harry Sheasel. George Wardlaw, there's a lot to get excited about and, yeah, enjoy watching them. And, uh, you know, uh, life is all about uh, the, the connections you have around you. So, yeah, make sure, um, yeah, uh, yeah, like uh, Marnie said, uh, get in contact. If you can't, uh, if, if you want to look for someone to chat to, have a beer with before a game or during a game or whatever, just let me know or Marnie know and, um, yeah, we'll try and make it happen. Uh, Marnie? It's been a real pleasure getting to know you actually tonight. Um, we learn something new about you, and that's always a good thing. Um, thanks so much for coming on, and, yeah, I'm sure I'll chat to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. So I really enjoyed that chat with Marnie. Uh, it was a pleasure getting to know her, um, and she sort of did come on uh, short notice as well. So uh, full credit to the girl. She's a lovely girl, and I'm really getting to in, I'm really enjoying getting to know her, uh, especially over the last few months. Anyways, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. It's much appreciated. I couldn't do this podcast without your support. If you can leave a rating review on your favorite podcast platform you use as well, that would be awesome. If you do leave a rating review on like Apple or something like that, just let me know uh, because, yeah, I often don't check it. So just let me know you did and, yeah, I'll have a look and, uh, yeah, I'll uh, see what, um, yeah, what it says. Anyways, I should be back next week. There's a lot going on, so I'm probably going to do multiple shows, like obviously an AFLW one and you know, a draft show as well. So look out for those. Um, yeah, uh, probably Monday, Tuesday or something like that. So yeah, see how we go. Anyways, that's it. Bye. Uh, oh, I was going to say bye for now, but I didn't leave a shout-out. So tonight I will leave a shout-out to Ron Cohen, Marnie's dad, for being a North supporter and raising such an awesome daughter as well. So... That's it. Bye for now, and go Roos.